gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. <coughs> Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. May be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Good morning. How are you? Good. I had a question for you. How many of you ever played tag before? Okay, so we're doing all right already. Help me out. Let's say we're not going to actually play tag. Everybody stand seated. Let's say I'm it. What is my job? Anthony. To tag us. To tag you. Okay, so touch something on the shoulder, pop, tag. Then what happens? Yeah, now she's it, and she has to try to tap somebody, right? And the game just keeps going and going and going, right? Very good. What about freeze tag? Have you ever played freeze tag? Okay, so this is a little bit different. Michael, let's say I'm it. What's my job? So you would touch someone, and they would be able to, like, move around. Exactly. We're running, we're running, and running, and I tag. And then is this person allowed to move anymore? No. No. How can they move again? Ava. Um, how we play it, we either give each other five fives. Yes. Um, we play the ultimate freeze tag. Um, We're just doing the normal one. All right. So, in freeze tag, you get frozen, and someone has to come by and tap you, and then you're unfrozen, right? Very good. That is a little bit what happens in today's text. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? So, let's say you're just three people. You guys are James and John and Peter. And Jesus goes with you, and you're up on top of a really high mountain. Is anybody scared of heights? So a little bit. So maybe we're scared already. But all of a sudden, can everybody look at my nose? 
all of a sudden, poof, there's two people with Jesus, and it's Moses. Is Moses already dead? Yeah, yeah so that's kind of weird. And it's Elijah. Is Elijah already dead? Yep, that's kind of weird. So Moses and Elijah and Jesus standing there just chatting. What do you think? Um, that would be really awesome. Really awesome? Anything else? Be weird? So like weird and kind of surreal and awesome all at the same time. And so Peter says, I want to stay. And then all of a sudden, just to top it all off, this huge cloud comes. And a voice comes out of it, and it says, This is my son. I don't know how it sounded, but this is how I imagine. <laughs> this is my son, my beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> right? So they're scared, and there's nowhere to hide. And you know what they do immediately? They fall down, they cover up. They are so scared that they don't want to even see anything. They shut their eyes. So, can you guys shut your eyes and cover your head? All right, how's this feel? Now, Jesus didn't just tell them to get up. He tapped them one by one. And he said, don't be afraid. You're going to be okay. When I tap you, open your eyes. Or if I've already tapped you, open your eyes. That's okay. Now, in freeze tag, when you get tapped, what do you get to do again? You get to move around. That's what Jesus does with us. When we're afraid, when we're scared, when something's so weird that we don't even know what to do with it, Jesus comes to us, and Jesus lives with us, and even if we need it every once in a while, Jesus just taps us and says, don't be afraid. Everything's going to be okay. Now, Jesus, Jesus has also put in our lives people who do that for us. Sometimes your mom and your dad help hold you when you're scared. Sometimes your brothers and sisters help comfort you when you're scared. Sometimes even teachers and pastors help you when you're scared. These are good people, aren't they? So, Whenever life gets weird and crazy and surreal and awesome all at the same time and you don't know what to do, look to those people who know how to take care of you and know that God placed them there too, as long as they're doing a good job. Do not be afraid. Excuse me. Yes. Did this all happen? It did. No, nope. really happened. Shall we say a prayer? Mm -hmm. Let us pray. God, when we're the most scared and we're the most terrified, thank you for telling us not to be afraid. Thank you for gently tapping us on the shoulder. Thank you for dwelling with us, living with us. We pray that for all people who are afraid in this world, you would be with them, that you would comfort them and help them in the midst of their fear, and that we might be helpers too, if need be. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.
In the name of Jesus, amen. This transfiguration text appears in a couple different places in Scripture, but no matter where we find it, it seems like a familiar text, doesn't it? There's some stories that we rotate through, and we hear once every three years in Scripture. But every year, every single year in our lectionary, every year before Lent, the Sunday right before Lent begins, we have a Transfiguration Sunday text. So, while some texts are very rare, this one we hear every year. And, if you're like me, you've heard this preached in some predictable ways before. In some way, shape, form, or fashion... I imagine that we have heard that God is with us on those mountaintop experiences that we have in our lives, those points and places where we can point to and say, I might not know everything God has in store for me all the time, but there in that moment, I felt the love of God and I felt the presence of God with me and for me in the midst of all that was going on. And as we come down off the mountain, God goes with us, and God is indeed for us, reminding us of those mountain time experiences. I think all that's good and right and true. That the mountaintop experiences of uh, our lives, of a transfiguration moment, does indeed propel us throughout life. However, I don't think that understanding of the story goes far enough. I don't believe that transfiguration is limited to the mountaintop. I do not believe that. There's a lot of really neat things that happen in the text, but there's always one thing that sticks out, at least to me. And that's that last line. Don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody about this until the Son of Man comes. So this great thing happens. There's only three people besides Jesus there. Well, or five, depending on how you're counting. But there's three disciples there with Jesus to witness this. And instead of telling everybody about this wonderful mountaintop experience to get them through the days before the cross, Jesus says, shh, tell no one until after the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And so here is my question for us. Why? Why wait? And not in the Snickers, are you hungry, why wait kind of way, but why wait to tell this really good news? And this is not rhetorical. I want to hear from you. Why are we waiting? Yeah. It is everything in God's timing, and I think we certainly point to some kind of timing understanding in what Jesus says. There's a moment for it. Why wait? I hear whispers. Something yet to come? I'd say so. In fact, we kind of point towards a specific moment that tells us it's okay. What's that moment? Until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So that little phrase, raised from the dead, assumes two things. Death and resurrection. This moment, this 
crucifixion and resurrection moment, that other thing that we celebrate every year, and Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, the Easter Vigil, and Easter Sunday, that movement from Christ hanging on a cross to a resurrection moment, that is the missing information. That is the timing. That is what's yet to come. Jesus says that we're not ready to hear about the transfiguration until we see the crucifixion and the resurrection. I imagine there's a reason for this. I imagine that if the disciples had all heard and seen the resurrection before, that it might be easy to imagine that Jesus certainly could not be killed. That this certainly couldn't be the way for Jesus. If Jesus has the ability to talk on a regular basis with people who are dead or long gone, Moses and Elijah, if there are voices coming from the clouds saying, this is my son, if he is all of a sudden transfigured into dazzling white robes and his face is just shining, how could it possibly be that the, that same power, that same ability, that same holiness, whatever it is, would lead Jesus to the cross. If we see the transfiguration early, we think of the cross as an anomaly, as something that doesn't go along with the transfiguration. But, if we wait until the crucifixion, if we wait until the resurrection, if we wait until the tomb is empty, and then understand that it is there in the person who dies and is raised again, in that person, not in some person that's just a good teacher, not in some person that's just a good healer, in the person of Christ, in that whole Easter person, that's the place where the transfiguration is. And we trust and we trust God to lead us to the cross and back out again. In order to listen to Christ, we have to listen to the whole story. And we do not have a story of Christ without the cross. And that's our good news. That transfiguration that the changing of the reality of who is standing in front of us, that the changing of the reality of what is on top of the mountain and in the valley, that change is not separate from the cross. That the cross is more than just death and life again, that the cross is about change too. In the transfiguration, we now understand that it, in all places of the cross... We are able to look and to expect change. And so throughout our world, where we see the signs of the cross, where we see the signs of suffering, where we see the signs of injustice, where we see the signs of life being taken, where we see the signs of holiness being trampled underfoot, where we see the signs of injustice, those places of the cross, that is where we are to expect 
transfiguration for the actual reality to change. In the places of our local community where we see hunger, where we see neighbors not knowing where one another, where we see people who fight over issues that don't really matter. In all sides of the cross, that is where we expect transfiguration to occur. Transfiguration is not a story that was meant to be told as if it happened before the cross. Transfiguration is a story to be understood only after it, only in the midst of it, only through it. Tell no one of this until the Son of Man dies and is raised again. So where are the points of the cross? Where are the points of the cross in our lives? I know that each one of us has a piece of the cross that we bear. It might be a place of our own making. It might be a place that was shoved on us. It might be a place where we see our own suffering and injustice towards our own selves. And it might be something that we see towards our neighbor or towards the world. But those places of the cross that we bear are not meant to be separate from the very real, the very overt understanding that the God of Moses and the God of Elijah stands before us, with us, here, changing it. We know that Christ has died and Christ is raised. This is the time of transfiguration. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.